This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what? they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus still kicks goes he's through he scores Welcome back to the Stressy Cast, the podcast for StressyNews.com, the number one Manchester United fan site on the internet. And we are back after a hiatus lasting almost as long as United have been in sixth place in the Premier League. I'm your host, Mike Knight, also known as the Northern Loudmouth, and I'll be hosting this podcast from now on. Uh, this week I'm joined by Stressy News columnist and journalist Philip Morrissey. Phil, how are you doing? Not too bad, Mike. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Um, I'm pretty. I'm, I'm okay after after Monday. I think I'd resign myself to the fact that we were going to lose about 15 minutes from the end of the game or whatever it was that Rashford missed that one on one and whacked it straight at Courtois. So I, I'm I'm over it. I'm over it. Mike, uh, just a question for you. Yeah. What do you think would have happened if Arsenal had been playing Chelsea and they had gone down to 10 men? I think uh, Arsenal probably would have capitulated and lost about five nil. I, I re- I'm not just saying that. I really, I really do think they would have done that. Opening with that question, of course, there is the only the one place to start is that pretty fiery clash down in West London, which United went down one nil to Chelsea and ended their defence of the FA Cup. Um, we'll get on to how United responded to going one nil down and ten men in a moment. But I just want to start with that red card. Um, what did you think of it? Do you think he deserved the red card, Herrera? Honestly, I thought the first booking was extremely harsh. Uh, the one where he was accused of body checking uh, Eden Hazard. I thought Hazard actually ran into him. I thought that was a. I thought that was gamesmanship on, on the half of uh, Chelsea. And I suppose as soon as they realise that there are players now on yellow cards, we can actually get at them in the hope that we'll be able to draw fouls or get them sent off. Um, what did you think of Mike Oliver's refereeing overall in that game? 
I suppose once the uh, once once the sending off happened, it was always likely that United were going to be in a position where they were going to find themselves deprived of possession, where they were going to find themselves under the cash, where they were going to struggle to create chances. But I felt that there was quite a few instances where Chelsea players were actually refereeing Mike Oliver rather than the other way around. Yeah, it's not it's not the first time I've seen stuff like that, Mike Oliver. He seems a little bit weak sometimes as a referee. I'm gonna play a bit of devil's advocate though, because before Herrera's second booking, he did pull Chris Wall into one side and I think it was after Phil Jones had felt Hazard and, and basically told them that he knew that they were targeting Hazard and there was no question we were targeting him in terms of persistent fouling and um, and made it very clear I think he made it pretty clear to Smalling that he was going to book the next person who did it and whether maybe Mike Oliver should have communicated that more clearly and this is one of my arguments that I have for having um, the referees microphones open like we do in rugby so everybody can hear what's being said um, or even not even having them open maybe just having the the um, the managers have um, earpiece sets without a microphone so they can hear what the referee's saying as well so at least the manager knows what's going on on the pitch between the referee and the players um, but do you think he didn't... go on do you think uh, Smalling should have had a word considering he was captain yes absolutely I think that was why he pulled Smalling over it why Smalling was called over do you think well? he should have uh, communicated that to the rest of the players like listen lads be careful well, yeah I mean, I mean if this is like I said I mean I hate to, you know, I mean, I'm a big rugby union fan. I hate to keep making the comparison. I know it gets football fans rightfully get a bit tired of it, but there is a case, you know, that the whole reason you call the captain over to have a word with him is so the message is then disseminated to all the rest of the players because unless it's getting to the point where, and I don't think it was out of hand, the, the targeting, but I mean, it was very clear it was going on. Um, unless the referee calls all 22 players over to the middle and stops the game, um, yeah. I think I did see Nigel Owens do that in a rugby match actually once. <laughs> but unless you do that, then yeah, the reason you call the captain over is to do that. I think if I was Mike Oliver, I would have called um, Gary Cahill, I think was Chelsea's captain. I yeah. would have called him over as well. I would have called them both over and told them both and said... Because uh, Ch- Chelsea were doing it as well. I think yeah. it's overlooked that Chelsea were do, you know, engaged in plenty of gamesmanship and tactical fouling of their own and just say you need to tell your players to stop doing this because I'm going to just start booking people. And if you end up with 11 yellow cards and three red cards, you only get yourself to blame because I've told you. But maybe this is, like I said, the advert for having the referees' microphones open so it can be heard, or at least open so the managers on the touchline or you know the coaching staff can hear it because then at least, the very least, it will get communicated to the players. But you know, it needs to be... They're going to bring in the video referees now, so I suppose that's that's good. But they really do need to step up the game with referee, and it's it's. I, I play devil's advocate. I do think Mike Oliver is a weak referee. I remember him a couple of years ago in Manchester derby, allowing himself to be physically intimidated by Joe Hart, and that was when I saw that. I thought that was it. Not only was that a red card, but that should have been a five or six game ban for Hart. Yeah, for me personally, um, for serious descent. The problem that I had with the sending off was the fact that it was actually in an area where you wouldn't consider it to be particularly dangerous. It was on the halfway line, and you would have thought that's a bit stupid on the fact that on the on the decision making of Herrera to actually make a foul there. If you if you're if you're having a player sent off, 
be it a last-ditch tackle, be it a, a goal-saving challenge, fair enough. If it's a niggly tackle on the halfway line, that's where fans get frustrated. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and it was. I think it was. It was I thought Herrera was very silly. I, I, you know, I, you know, I quite appreciate Herrera's snidiness to be quite honest most of the time, but I just thought he was a bit silly there, really. I mean, it's yes, you could say Hazard dived. I think he probably did make the most of it, and we could talk about Michael Oliver. But once Michael Oliver's very clearly had a word with someone, now whether like we said, whether Chris Smalling. I, I'm not sure he did communicate to that player. He didn't seem a particularly communicative type as a captain. No. Swelling to me, Even, Her- Herrera's got eyes. He, he could have seen that referee was having a long word with someone. I thought, you know, I better just step back a little bit. At least not give. I'm already on a booking. Let's not be giving a referee an excuse to show me a second yellow card. And I think he did. But this is going to lead into my next question because it was very clear leading up to the game. Mourinho was sort of doing what he always does in creating conflict. Um, with Conte and Chelsea, do you think sometimes that can spill over to the detriment of his players? Do you think he actually set out to antagonise the Chelsea players to get a reaction out of them? I think so. I I think part of the target, I'm sure he would maybe say that the targeting of Hazard was tactical, but I think there was some, uh, I think it was a bit personal as well. I suppose a lot of uh, United fans would have imagined before the start of the game that there would have been an element of man marking of Hazard be it from maybe somewhere like somebody like Herrera yeah, and yeah, that course, there yeah. would have been maybe man marking of uh, somebody like Kante by somebody like Phil Jones who was uh, playing in that midfield area but do you think well the, I suppose the, the question is whether this is going back to how how um, their relationship collapsed under Mourinho's uh, last year at Chelsea. Um, you can. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. <laughs> um, maybe that's how Mourinho likes likes it for us not to be too sure. <laughs> you never know. Um, I I um, there was a set. I don't. I, I think he was trying to create a, a sense of maybe a siege mentality as well. Um, well, I, he think, certainly, I think he, he knew that some of those that, Chelsea fans are going to be on his back as well. To that level? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, he managed that club for long enough. He must know how petty those fans are by now. Going back, I mean, the first game after after his sacking last December, uh, last November, last December, um, the Chelsea fans were actually booing the Chelsea players. They yeah. were. They actually had Mourinho banners. They were booing the players that they had imagined were instrumental in getting rid of Mourinho, the likes of Hazard, the likes of Oscar, the likes of Costa. They're actually being openly barracked. And now, twelve months later, maybe twelve, six, eighteen months later, um, he's being accused of being Judas. Yeah, that that'll happen. Um... Football fans are an enormously fickle bunch, and that will definitely happen when your team's top. Of the, when those players are top of the league, because they suddenly start playing again. I thought I thought he was very ungrateful, considering if you look at Chelsea's history, I mean they've done very little. Sixty percent of their titles in their entire history was won by one, won by one manager. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. I think it was ungrateful. I think it was very ungrateful. Um, I think if Mourinho would come out and slagged off Chelsea fans and stuff, I mean, he's made plenty of veiled barbs at the players. There's no question about that. I remember when Ranieri was, when he was talking about Ranieri after Ranieri was fired, and he was talking about players, talking about contracts and whatnot. There was definitely a subtle dig at the Chelsea players there. I think some of those players that had let him down. But um, yeah, he about the club in general, and I think the fans. He'd been fairly diplomatic, which is not something I would usually say about Jose Mourinho. Yeah. But um, yeah, I thought it was very, very ungrateful. Um, what do you think about the overall United performance? <sighs> up until up until the probably about uh, midway through the first half, um, I actually thought United were actually quite comfortable. Um, they had been creating one or th- a number of half chances. I thought um, the back four, back three had uh, kept Diego Costa relatively um, relatively quiet. I actually didn't think uh, Costa had a great yeah. game. I thought he was well marshaled by the likes of Rojo and uh, Jones. Um, I thought our passing was actually quite accurate. Uh, there were um, they're actually keeping hold of the ball for a lot of that uh, period of time, but once they lost Herrera, once they once they had to substitute Mkhitaryan, then you um, it, it seemed to be retreating, 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 and maybe hoping hope hopeful long balls, um, which isn't Marcus Rashford's uh, best way to deal with it. He did admirably in the circumstances, considering he was up against maybe two or three defenders at any one time, and there was yeah. very little support coming up for him. But it's not a, he's not a player built like that. He doesn't have the physique. He do, he's not a he's not an Ibrahimovic. Um, and then towards the end of the half, they were kind of, towards the end of the game. They're kind of more hope. There was more hopeful long balls. Uh, there was one or two hit up to. To Fellaini uh, for knockdowns, uh, yeah. one, one of which actually had a almost a half chance for Paul Bagpo, which he actually should have done an awful lot better with. I'm just wondering, after the sending off, and I got this distinct feeling, and, and Mkhitaryan was taken, Fellaini was thrown on. Do you think Mourinho was happy to lose the game? One was 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 maybe look, started looking at the game after a car and think, you know, I'd be happy to, to lose one nil here because I mean I've heard stuff like this about Mourinho before, where he's his time at Real Madrid where some of the players weren't happy about the fact that he was going out and telling them I think it was Barcelona in a Champions League semi-final they were already about they were already there were two nils down there were two nils down from the first leg and his, his instructions were don't concede and that was all he instructed them to do does it then become a, a question of priorities you're, you're you're then bringing to mind um, okay we have an entire half we have an entire half of football to play here with ten men we have a game on Thursday night. We have a game on Sunday. Do we go full tilt in this? Perhaps get caught on the break a couple of times, like we were against uh, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in November, and be on the end of a, a four or five goal hammering. Yeah, because I, I wonder if part of it is almost like a political thing um, and a psychological thing to to take the one nil defeat and not take an absolute shellacking like Arsenal did. Um, in both Bayern Munich games, um, when they went a man down, to, it's 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 easier to lose the game one nil. To say circumstances and stop the players having their confidence destroyed. Yeah, 
is a is a kind of a lesson on saving grace, more like. Yeah, I think so. Um, especially, I, I would have thought of maybe especially after the way we lost there earlier in the season. You know, we lost really badly earlier in the season. I mean, it was quite happy that we got through the first two minutes without conceding a goal this time. Yeah, um, so, uh, Chris Smalling uh, letting the ball bounce over him or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we could we sure, there was no way we could have conceded so early this time. I mean, there was times where I thought in that game we were playing a flat back six. It was like he was playing four centre halves, and then well, uh, Young and Valencia were playing as wing backs. I mean, the fact that you had and you had uh, Valencia and Darmian on on the wings, they're full backs, so you actually had pretty much a, a back five back six with uh, Fellaini coming in there as well like so it was like it was a case of they shall not pass do you think maybe you should have just left you think maybe you would have been better leaving Mkhitaryan on um, personally I would have and then maybe introduced if he was struggling to to get hold of the ball maybe introduce somebody like uh, Von Mata and yeah. then and then later in the in the game, if you were to go completely gung ho uh, long ball to then bring on Fellaini. Because we really we really struggled in terms of possession. Uh, Chelsea were bypassing us on a lot of occasions and it was a case they were just going straight through our midfield on numerous occasions. Yeah, I mean my thoughts of Maron Fellaini have been made clear and straight news a number of times in the past. Um He's not good enough for Manchester United, frankly. I just wonder, because it's not as if Mkhitaryan wasn't doing any defensive work. I saw him plenty of times pressing Chelsea's def- uh, players, such as uh, their defenders and their full-backs, when they had the ball. I saw him doing that plenty. So it's not as if and, he wasn't putting a shift in. And he was uh, he was one of the few players that were actually linking up with Rashford, as alluded to earlier on. And Rashford, if he was playing up front, pretty much by himself, he needed to have running support with be it Mkhitaryan be it Pogba be it somebody else but when Mkhitaryan came off um, that those options suddenly became isolated yeah um, let's move on to Pogba actually because you mentioned in there he didn't have his best game again he seems to have dropped off a little bit of late almost since the Liverpool game around that time yeah, I fancy. What, what do we think's going on? Do we think he needs a rest? Because I've looked at it, and he's played about forty-six games this season. I, f- I thought he actually looked quite leggy on Thursday night. Uh, there was occasions where you had maybe a diamond or um, a quartet of Chelsea players around him. They were just passing around him in a in the circle, and he was he was almost stuck into what direction to go, to what to tackle, what to whether to stay or to twist and uh, they were just going around him in many occasions and he particularly on particularly on the occasion where Kante got the goal um, Pogba was probably the player closest to him and he wasn't able to get a tackle in to, to block it down Would you rest him for uh, the game I'd, with Rostov? I'd certainly rest him for tonight I'd, mm. certainly, I'd certainly give him a break tonight yeah, because he'd been pretty much playing in. When was the last time that he actually didn't play? I can't even remember. I can't even remember. There's even it's games just, where he's been on the bench and he's come off the bench. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually give him a break tonight. Yeah, uh, what do you make of him overall this season so far? How do you think he's done? Well, if if you if some 
if some commentators or some fans imagined that he was going to score 40 goals in the season and contribute uh, 87 assists, I don't think that was going to be the case. Um, I mean, once he settled into the squad, once he settled into the team, I thought he's actually done quite well on a more kind of um, subtle influence. Uh, but he, his best position, I don't think he's even himself. He would, he would have, he would agree that he's not a defensive midfield player. He struggles when it comes against, uh, when it comes to the tackling side of business. When it comes to the the more uh, defensive minded um, from playing so deep that he really needs to be playing up further up the pitch um, that's where he's his passing is better that's where he's influenced better he's had a great relationship with uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic in terms of the amount of assists that he's given and, and the amount of chances that he's created for him when he's played in that more forward role the, the price tag will always lie over him the, that'll always be his um, that, that will always be his uh, bugbear like um, that'll always be the, the thing that will be called out for him um, but on the most fan on the most part I'd say a lot of uh, match going fans have been quite quite pleased with him yeah I get the sense there's still one or two additions that need to be made to the team to really get the best out of this guy Um Especially midfield. In terms of um, a, def- a proper defensive midfield player? Yes, I think so. A defensive midfielder who can dictate the pace of the game. It's amazing. The people that talk about what Pogba seemed to be able to do are people that have never seem to watch him in Italy. He was the kind of guy who would burst. I- I'm not saying he won't grow into the kind of player that won't dictate the pace of a game, but he's never usually been that sort of player before. I, I don't think he was the kind of player who was able to break the line, break through the lines and make things happen from the midfield. You know, which is why he was perfect in a midfield three. I think at Juve there was various people he was in there with you had Perlo who would sit in front of the defence, not so much as a defensive midfielder but as a but playmaker. You actually had a, a proper defensive midfielder player in the likes of Marquisio who would Yeah, actually well Marquisio would, would get box to box, wouldn't he? Yeah, with Marquisio and Perlo, you had was the kind of dynamic you'd get. I suppose if Carrick and Herrera, I just don't think Carrick really has the legs these days to be able to carry it on a regular basis. They need to get somebody else. It doesn't have to be a Carrick type player. I thought, you know, someone like I mean, where you find another Angolo Kante is anybody's guess because I don't think anybody is as good at what he does. Everyone talks about his defensive work, Kante, but I thought everything else he does as well. I think yeah. he's much better on the pole than people were giving him people giving credit for but I think we need more quality in the middle we lack actually when you look at it there's a serious lack of quality in midfield for me would you suggest maybe somebody like uh, William Carvalho or something like that yeah I think Carvalho uh, wouldn't wouldn't be a bad shout there's a few other players as well you know you can think of I think um, maybe someone like maybe someone like Stephen Anzonzi as well would be another one He's a, he's a fantastic footballer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a lot needed that's going to get the best out of Pogba. I think the problem is when you pay a world record fee, unless they score two goals and assist three every game, they're going to be deemed a failure. That's it. And, um, and then a lot of uh, pundits and a lot of commentators 
that aren't actually watching the player on a regular basis, they'll say, oh, that 20 minutes that I saw of him, he was rubbish. Well, I think he's been quietly. I think generally he's, Pogba's been pretty good this season. Yeah. I think certainly against the... Um, I know he didn't have a great game against Bournemouth, but that was where I felt I started to see him tired a little bit. Yeah. It's not all just about physical tiredness. You know, mentally it drains you as well, and maybe he was making decisions that he wouldn't ordinarily have made. Yeah, I think yeah he he needs he needs help, and I I think generally he's been I, pretty I excellent. And, he, and you know what? He wasn't half. I thought um, it was only really the second half against Liverpool that he really started to make a lot of mistakes. Because in the first half, I thought he made that big error, but I don't think he was terrible, and I no. think he was really trying to make amends. Yeah, because he, uh, he had that uh, that chance that just went past the post as well. Like, and if he had scored that, I felt United would have won. Yeah, I think so. But um, we need definitely need to get the scouts out there and go and find somebody else. I mean, it's all very well Paul Scholes talking about Tony Cruz, but I don't take much of an account what Paul Scholes says these days. Anyway, um, just before we move on to looking ahead to the Rostov uh, Middlesbrough games, what do you make? We obviously just got out of the FA Cup. I mean, what do you make of United's season so far? I think, well, I think there's a certain amount of. Um, I think they've certainly underachieved. To a certain degree, I mean, the amount the amount of home draws that they've had. I know they have played better football certainly this season than in the last three seasons at least. But it's being unable to kill teams off, unable to finish off teams. Um, the we've seen to be in sixth place for an entire an absolute eternity, like, <laughs> and. When we when we come to the positions where maybe Man City slip up or Liverpool slip up or they both slip up, and then we go on and draw at home to Stoke or we we, we draw to Bournemouth, like um, that's where fans get frustrated, I suppose. Um, clearly, we know uh, coming into the season that there was an awful lot of work needed on the team. Um, compared the the football that we had under Van, Louis Van Gaal was just anathemic, like it was uh, it was soul destroying. But I suppose he pointed out we we finished fourth, we got a cup final, and all that. But we couldn't have gone on the way that we did. Too many games, uh, not enough not enough good players to carry the can. I think that's that's okay. the one it is, isn't yeah. it? Um, with that being said, we've got uh, the Rostov game coming up. Now, um, do you think sort of a little bit of um, vague mathematics looking at the league? So at the moment, uh, the gap from us to Liverpool in fourth is six points, but we have two games in hand. And Liverpool go to Manchester City. If United can win, uh, somebody loves them against Middlesbrough, and City can beat Liverpool, which is by no means a given considering Liverpool's record in these against against the other teams in the top six. United will then move within three points to Liverpool, and um, they. We'll have two games in hand as well. With that being said, what would you would you consider still consider the Europa League the main priority for United this season now? The question is uh, for a lot of United fans: Would you prefer to go all out for the league and finish third or fourth, or would you prefer to win the Europa League and possibly displace either Liverpool or Man City? Yeah, I think I'd take the latter to be honest. I'd take I'd take the winning the trophy because we finished fourth 
couple of years ago, and I got no joy out of that whatsoever. Yeah. So, um, it was hollow. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. I think we need to have something to aim for, and I think these players need to get into the habit of winning some trophies. Um, you know, anyone can finish fourth. Arsenal have been doing it for years, um, but they're not a top team. Can um, we can we realistically aim for both? We could absolutely. And I think we I could. The we one blessing going out of the FA Cup means we can we can you know we're basically going to have uh, a little bit more of a regular rhythm to the games now. Yeah. And the question is kind of with with the teams left at the moment, uh, what are major competitors are for this trophy? Uh, providing that we obviously providing that we get over Rostov tonight. I um I think Roma certainly. Um, the form that Zeko's in right now, the form that Nangaland's in, who's an t- absolutely terrific player. I'm a huge, huge fan of him. They're, um, they're chasing for, for a guy who smokes about twenty a day. He's a yeah. pretty good footballer. Then again, Zinedine Zidane did that as well. Yeah, but Nangaland runs around a lot more than Zidane ever did. I mean, he covers a hell of a lot of ground in a game. I mean, he's 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 incredible player. Zeko's in terrific form. I was actually always a fan of him at Man City. He was just a bit of a confidence player sometimes. Yeah. He just needed someone to put an arm around him. And I'm not being funny, but neither Pellegrini or Mancini seemed particularly great man managers yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, um, so that, that was good for him. have a bit of a deficit to make up, though, on Leon, who actually played quite well in the first leg. What was the score again in the first leg? Um, Leon beat them 4-2. I'd be worried about Leon, to be honest, as well. I was going to mention them. Although yeah. one thing I will say is that... Um, after seeing PSG and just generally the history of, of, of the French in sport, bottling it on a big occasion seems to be a French national pastime to me. Um, so mentality-wise, concerns me. The one thing that does concern with Leon is that Memphis Depay has been absolutely terrific since he's gone over there. Yeah. I mean, he's scored five goals in his first Definitely. nine games. He scored uh, from just where just near the halfway line as well at the weekend. I saw, I saw that he scored a couple of beauties, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, was it Toulouse? I think he he, he scored for about forty yards in the centre yeah. circle. Something like that, yeah. I just, but you know, I mean, always, he, he, we always knew he had the the ability. It was just the confidence. Or confidence, the... and um, I could tell you, somebody who lives in Manchester, if you're a young guy with a lot of money, who maybe isn't having the best time, Manchester is a place full of distractions. And, Definitely. Um, <laughs> I just think it would do him well to get 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 away. Um, we have got a buyback clause in his contract though for about, I think it's about fifteen million quid or something yeah, it's like about that. 10, it's about ten to fifteen or something like that. Yeah, it's um, not huge. I think if he does well, if he does really well consistently for Leon, I take him back. Certainly worth an option anyway. Uh, some of the other teams I was looking at uh, were the likes of uh, you've got Celta Vigo. They um, they lost the first leg to. FC Krasnodar uh, yeah. 2-1 two, two but uh, you'd imagine that they'd be they're at home aren't they in the second leg um, no so, sorry Celta Vigo won the home leg 2-1 uh, they're yeah. playing away tonight um, you've got Ajax Amsterdam obviously another famous name in European football they uh, lost 2-1 to Copenhagen and they're playing at home tonight Gladbach as well I think would be yeah Gladbach um, Glabach or Schalke, uh, they're both tied one apiece at the moment, so whoever comes out of that would be a, certainly an interesting away journey for for 
for the fans, but it'd be a, certainly a tough uh, challenge for the team. I would rather get have Schalke. Um, uh, you know, talking about teams bottling it, Schalke are infamous bottlers. If you uh, keep up with German football and down the years, so many times they're on the verge of doing something and they just completely just wimp out completely. Uh, whereas Gladbach, even though Lucien Favre is not the manager anymore, they still very much play in the way that he set them out to play. Because I'm quite a big fan of uh, Lucien Favre. I always liked him as a manager. He's an interesting coach. And um, they still play very much in his way. I watched them against, was it Fiorentina? Or yeah. Fiorentina, they, were, they, were, they looked like they were going out up until about the last 30 minutes of the game. And they scored four goals. Yeah, it's just incredible comeback. They just went. They just go hell for leather, basically. Uh, ter- yeah, so they're a terrific attacking team. We already discussed um, that we think maybe uh, Pogba um, should be maybe given a rest. We know Zlatan and Eric Bay are going to be available. Uh, Bay was a, a one-game ban, and Zlatan's uh, ban is domestic only. And Ander Herrera is still going to be available for this. So obviously we're thinking Pogba's given a rest. Uh, I'm assuming Romero's probably going to start in goal again. He started in all the Europa League games and. To be honest, he's not. He's he's done himself, I think, a fair amount of credit actually. Yeah, I mean, he has games. I think he's been pretty good. He hasn't done anything wrong at all. He looks pretty solid. He's yeah. a very, very solid, dependable uh, number two. Um, I mean, you don't get to uh, play for your national team for so long as as he has without being a decent goalkeeper. Like, yeah, it's very odd though because he doesn't seem he's, at club level. He's never played a huge amount of games. It's very, very strange. I know Sampdoria. He was. He never, he was never first choice, but he, he must have something about him. I mean, he's got about sixty odd caps for Argentina, I think. So he's certainly got something there. He just seems a very solid, dependable head who won't do yeah. anything ridiculous. Um, is there anyone else you'd like to see brought in? Anyone you'd like to see brought in to the team for this game? One matter. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I, I think one matter should be a certain start for most games for me, um, especially home games against smaller teams. Yeah. I think one matter should absolutely play. Just to dictate the, uh, just to dictate the forward possession, and uh, just to, in terms of set pieces, in terms of uh, free kicks, um, if if certainly Pogba isn't going to be there, we need somebody of that ilk to be able to to create chances. Um, uh, what are your predictions for the uh, what are your predictions for the score? Uh, how do you think it's going to go? Three uh, 0 I'm going to go for uh, I'm going to go for two nil. Um, I think it'll be fairly comfortable. I think it'd be um, if we can get an early goal, it could really run up the score. But yeah, yeah I'm going to go for two nil tonight. Uh, um, you because um, I mean a lot of a lot of was made of the fact that Rostov beat Bayern Munich at home three two in the Champions League in the group stages. But then again, you have to remember that Bayern Munich beat them like four five or six nil in Munich in. In Munich, like so, uh, they're obviously taken away from their own patch. They're not the threat that what they should be. Yeah, and they're not doing amazingly in the Russian league as well. Either. I think they're about six or seven or something both, like that. Yeah. Um, well yeah, off. I mean, I hate to, I hate to pull out, I hate to pull out stereotypes like a lazy soccer Saturday pundit, but um, they tend not to travel well away from home. Um, the uh, the Eastern European teams they tend to be very strong at home and not travel well away from home for whatever reason I, I don't I don't know um, whether it's just the fact that the conditions in terms of better quality of pitches are just more favourable for the um, 
for the bigger teams and the way they want to play so they can be more expansive and maybe Rost- maybe teams like Rostov and I've seen it with teams like Seska Moscow and, and Chantal yeah. Donetsk I think Chantal Donetsk maybe with the exception I think they won the Europa League a few years ago and they were the, the main exception that I'd seen but they had a very well, good team they had guys like Fernandinho and Willian and people like and Douglas Costa yeah. in their team so they were they were a really good side but and, by uh, and large they don't travel well uh, oh sorry no, Zenit was the other one wasn't it Zenit was the other one uh, where they this, where they actually played in they played at Old Trafford didn't they uh, uh, no City's, City's well, ground well it was at City's ground yeah, uh, yeah they but, absolutely yeah. demolished Rangers in it yeah although I wonder with them that was a, a case of a group of players that just hit a particular hot streak one season because well you had the likes of Arshavan and uh, players like that in their yeah Pogrebniak I yeah. think um they had a few other players as well. It was a, it was a good holding midfielder they had, and I can't for life remember who it was. Anyway, we've got, of course, um, games coming thick and fast at the moment, and um, on Sunday lunchtime, which in my opinion is the worst kickoff time for any football match, because um, half of us aren't even awake. Disaster. Oh, it's going to be terrible, and it's even worse because you've got Middlesbrough away, so they've got the glamour of playing Middlesbrough away on a Sunday lunchtime. Um, yeah, it's um, for all the fans getting up. Uh, Six or seven o'clock in the morning to be met uh, by the delightful smoggy uh, atmosphere of uh, Mansfield. Yeah, it's it's not it's it's not it's not the best. God bless him, and I and I, and I always defend over towns to the hills, but um, yeah, Mills is not the best place to go. Uh, team news again for that one. Uh, obviously, Zlatan and Ander Herrera aren't going to be available for that uh, because of their suspensions. Injuries, we're not too sure yet. We'll wait and see. Um, I well, suspect I because can... the injuries for Marcel and Rooney didn't sound particularly serious. I suspect that they might both be available for this one, but we don't know for sure yet because obviously there's been no pre-match press conference at this point yet. Obviously, um, obviously we'll have to wait until after tonight to see if there's going to be any further injuries or any knocks or anything like that or whoever's coming in and form anyway. Yes. Um, what are our predictions? We won't spend as long on, on, middle, on the Middlesbrough game, but um, what, what are our predictions for that one? How do you think it's going to go, Phil? I would say 2-0. That's exactly what I thought as well. If we can get a first goal, I'd, um, you'd bet the house that's winning. Well, actually, no, I, wouldn't, I don't even think it'd be worth betting the house that is winning if we went a goal up because Middlesbrough really seem to be struggling to um, to hit the back of the net at the moment. What I would do, I would actually play with a, I would actually play with pace. Um, the Middlesbrough back line seemed to be fairly adept in the physical sense, and they'd probably be more aligned to uh, to dealing with guys like. Ibrahim or somebody of that ilk but um, you saw towards the end of the game at Old Trafford where they just couldn't deal with the um, with our attacks even when they were 1-0 up 10 minutes ago or something like that yeah they just, play quite deep I've noticed very deep indeed very deep like um, there's been a lot of rumblings from Middlesbrough fans actually in terms of uh, their displeasure at Eitor Karanka uh, considering they consider him so defensive and um, that they, they play so deep and that player is like maybe a bit more skillful like the likes of Patrick Bamford the likes of Stuart Downing they're just not getting any sort of opportunity even even in the cup games to, to kind of show like this is our plan B we're not going to just play on the break we're not just going to lump balls up to um, our front players hmm. it's an interesting one that because I, 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 I'll continue to defend Karanka in that regard because 
there's a bit of a mythology that's done the rounds in recent years that you need to score lots of goals to stay in the league and to do well. You don't. You need to not be conceding them first and foremost. You generally, there's a reason guys like Tony Pulis and Sam Allardyce keep picking up work. You know, for those teams down the league that are struggling, it's because they know they can get them organised and not concede goals. Um, so I, I think you know I've seen teams that have gone and tried to play in the past. I still think Bournemouth are in a lot of trouble in this league because they just can't defend to save their lives. Even when they win games, they're still conceding two or three goals. Um, yeah. So I think they could be in big trouble. And Leicester, it's no secret that they've picked up since their defence has been a lot better and they've started conceding a lot less than they were before. They were hemorrhaging two, three, even four goals a game um, before Ranieri was fired. Whatever your opinion on on what happened, what went down with Ranieri but there's no doubt now they're a much better defensively organised team than they were so I can understand why Karanka is doing what he's doing I still think Middlesbrough are going to stay up I think Sunderland are certainly down um, Palace yeah I'm hoping Palace are going to go down but they've won the last two games and that really worries me yeah. <laughs> I really don't want them to stay in this league no but I'm still, yeah, I'm still going to say Palace. I said Palace a while ago. And um, pa- I'm going to say Bournemouth. Uh, I was saying Leicester a while ago, but I've got a feeling, like you said, they're going to start putting this run of games together to get themselves out of trouble. Um, but then again, you could always say Leicester could be one bad result away from falling back out of form again. But I'm going to say Bournemouth, Palace and Sunderland for now. I think Hull will stay up. Um because I think he's a terrific manager that they've got. Um, and it'll just be great to see Hull stay up, just to see what the hell Paul Merson and Phil Thompson oh, yeah. say. I, I was just going to say, like, is that going to... That would be the ultimate uh, snub to the to, to those types of pundits. The little Englanders. The, the proper football... The, I think the, the, the phrase prop- is the proper football men now. That's, yeah. that's a phrase that everybody's using now. Um, that should I be hashtagged. Yeah, he was a guy called John Nicholson, uh, who's a writer. He writes for Football 365, but he's a novelist as well, who, who came up with that phrase, from what I remember, in a particular thing that he wrote. Um, it was him and another journalist. And it's carried on. I've heard it in the... I've seen it in The Guardian now, and The Observer. <laughs> I see it in The Independent, The Telegraph, and The Times. It's all over the place now. It's become this sort of ubiquitous um, term for these TV pundits. And the interesting thing about that, it's just sort of on a closing note is, and we're going a bit off topic here, but um, the ratings, the television ratings for live football this season are absolutely in the toilet. They're absolutely shocking. Across Sky, across Terrestrial, across BT are really, really poor. And uh, that makes you think that maybe fans are getting a little bit tired of some of this coverage that they're seeing. Um, because we're not idiots. We don't want to be spoken to like idiots. Um That'll be the last. <laughs> Hopefully, he'll say on that until someone makes it. Until someone like Paul Mertzen makes a stupid comment about Paul Pogba. Uh, Mike, uh, just just to on um, considering that last week we saw the release of uh, King Kong. Um, do you think United should actually get the giant monkey off their back and win away to a main rival? Yeah, absolutely. We need to do so. I think we've still got Arsenal away and City away. And Spurs away. And Spurs away as well. The Spurs one is the one that worries me the most because they're really strong at home. People, uh, Spurs are actually very good against the other big teams at home, but away from home they're really poor. So that's a game that concerns me most. Um, but yeah, we need to we need to win a big we need to win more big games in general. Even at home, our record against the other teams around us is not great. We drew with Arsenal in a game that we should have won. Um, we failed we, to beat Liverpool at home. We lost to City. Yeah, we lost the City. 
Um, we drew with Liverpool away. Obviously, we lost to Chelsea. We really need to start winning these games now. If we have any chance, any realistic chance of uh, achieving fourth, then that should be that should be the minimum, really. Well, we've got we've got twelve games left, and in amongst those games, I believe is Arsenal away, Chelsea at home, Tottenham away, City away. That's that's, that's four games. That's four games there. So four out of the twelve. If we drop 12 points in those games, or even 10 points in those games, there's no way we're getting fourth. Not at all. Not in the last 12 games of the season. So, um, yeah, and uh, do we have Everton away as well? Because that's another one that we'd we'd have to go to. No, we we are Everton at home. Everton at home. So, I, I, I chuck Everton into that mix as well, just in the form that they're in, and they're the team that's immediately below us. Um... Considering so, the way that they've started playing in the last couple of weeks, and and they have the best, arguably, in my opinion, the best centre forward in the league. Who actually has uh, recently stated that he isn't going to sign a new contract? Yeah, I saw this. Um, I don't know if we'll sign him though, because Mourinho had an opportunity to use him at Chelsea, and he never did. So, for whatever reason, he wasn't a fan. But we'll we'll just have to we'll have to wait and see what happens. Right guys, that's all from us at the Stressy Cast this week. Just to let you know, because we have been away for a long time, we will be back every Thursday between now and the end of the season. Um, it will be myself hosting it. You can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Loudmouth, and I will be contributing articles to Stressy News wherever possible. Uh, Philip, you can find him on Twitter as well, at Philip E. Morrissey. No why at the end of Morrissey, there's a capital P, a capital E, a capital M as well. Um, but for now, we'll see you next Thursday. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.